0: Welcome to episode 56 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me tonight are Matt Cassell. Hello. And special guest, Dominic Yossi. Hello. If you're this far into the podcast and you're wondering, why didn't they announce Ian Sharpley? He died. Ian Sharpley abandoned this podcast. Out of the country. For the warmer (laughs) climes of Punta Cana this week. Um, maybe Ian will be back next podcast, but that really depends on how well Dominic does. Ooh. Ooh,
1: I'm I'm, I'm on on an interview, on a tryout right now. Bring your A game. Actually, I think it sort of more depends on how I do, because we have what is known as housekeeping with Ian Sharpley, but today it's without Ian Sharpley.
2: Well, you had had the tryout a couple weeks ago. I did, but I wasn't so ready. Tonight ready. I'm ready. I focused. feel
1: yes. I feel so. like I'm I'm razor sharp with you know everything. Clearly so. I'm I don't know what I'm talking about. New dynamic, little change
0: up tonight. Uh, tonight, May fifth, Cinco de Mayo. Um, tonight we're gonna talk a little Free Comic Book Day. We're gonna talk Star Wars casting, and we're going to spoil the crap out of the underwhelming Amazing Spider-Man two. But before we do that, housekeeping with Matt
1: Cassell. Ooh, that's, I like that. That sounds nice. Yeah. yeah that's good. We would like to thank our dear friends at New Dimension Comics at Century 3 Mall, who were nice enough to let us set up a, a table and, and pimp mix McSauce. Um, we, well... If if this is your first time, your first exposure to the McSauce brand, it's good to know that we have the world's greatest webcomic uh, drawn and written by <clears throat> the incredibly talented and equally handsome Paul McGinty Lord and if he ever gets around <laughs> to it, Ian Sharpley, who isn't too bad looking either. He's okay. He's okay. He's no Paul McGinty, in output or in looks. <laughs> well, he's
0: he outputs a little more podcast. Yeah, he may be
1: spreading himself too thin. But, he might be. You no, know, I
0: wouldn't. I wouldn't say that's well, if he was here. No, no,
1: and I'm sure he'll never listen to this. So you know, I he think, wasn't in it.
2: So he right. Wouldn't listen
1: so to it. it's it's safe mm-hmm. to say you know I because he's arrogant like that. I think <laughs> Ian has a little bit forgotten where his bread is buttered. Let's just yeah. put it that way. Yeah, I think so. But this is not, this isn't Ian Sharply cleaning. This is house keeping. Ian <laughs> Sharply keeping? Whatever. So, uh, thank you to New Dimension Comics. While we were there, it was free comic book day that we had this table set up and we were able to pimp our wares. We also got to meet some pretty awesome people. Right next to us was another incredibly talented webcomic master. His name was Jeffrey Munn. Uh, Very talented artist. Very nice guy. And I think Paul liked him because he wore a Green Lantern shirt. And he also had his young son wearing the exact same Green Lantern. You're Charlie. not going to lose points with me for wearing a Green Lantern. Right. So uh, what Jeff does is he does a webcomic called Kiosk, Life in Neutral, which is kind of about... Uh, now, I didn't I didn't read it, but I did talk to him about it, and the vibe that I got was that it was a lot like Clerks. So my guess is if you like that brand of humor and you like very well-done, high-production-value uh, webcomic book art, Um. Certainly, check out Mixos. But when you're done, go check out Jeff's kiosk, Life in Neutral. Uh, We also uh, met some fellow uh, podcast veterans. The the incredibly talented The Nerd Exchange. The Nerd Exchange does a a podcast about all kinds of nerd culture things. So you know, comic books, Star Wars, Doctor Who. Uh, which I know that you're not exactly going to get your fill here unless Dom is guesting. And even though we don't let him talk. <laughs> <laughs> that's that true. That always gets edited out for some reason. Yeah, right. So uh, if you need your Doctor Who fix, you go and listen to the Nerd Exchange and then come back here to McSauce when you're done. If and ever we'll quiet, fill in the
0: rest. If there's ever a quiet break in the Sauce podcast,
1: <clears throat> it's because we edited out Who Talk. <laughs> true. Okay. And lastly, we wanted to plug a couple more friends that we made at, at the uh, free comic book day at New Dimension Comics, the 501st Legion. Uh, there were a few <clears throat> members of the 501st that were in costume at, uh, at New Dimension. The yeah, 50... yeah. I'm sorry, God. The 501st is the world's definitive imperial star wars costuming organization comprised solely of volunteers the legion was formed to ex- for the express purpose Of bringing together costume enthusiasts under a collective identity within which to operate. Legion seeks to provide interest in Star Wars through the building and wearing of quality costumes. But, you know, let's be honest. I'm pretty sure the Stormtrooper ones were store-bought. I don't think they were exactly, you know, made with, like, toilet paper rolls and cardboard boxes. No, but but I think
0: that's what makes these guys, like, official Lucasfilm. Because they
1: had the official costumes.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: there's specific vendors that produce the outfits. And and a statement
0: that Matt made while we were there was that... Me, Matt? You, Matt. Okay. Was that when... (laughs) that... It's way nerdier to dress up like Star Trek characters than it is Star Wars. Truth. And I agree with that statement, but I'm wondering if the scales were tipped a little bit because the 501st were there and they are officially sanctioned and they look like they step right out of the movie. Even down to wear and tear well, on their blasters.
1: I wouldn't exactly say that because, based on a comment you made, Paul, uh, the biker scout did have a pretty pronounced camel toe. And uh, <laughs> well, before we go any further, have you looked for camel toe in the movies? Oh, I went home and immediately looked for it. I zoomed in and, and I did not see any said biker, biker toe. Biker
2: toe. <laughs> Imperial biker toe. Yes.
1: <laughs> So anyway, again a big thank you to New Dimension Comics. We had a great time. I'm sure we'll see you again next year. And a little special thank you to Chip for hooking me up with um, the discount on my my prized possessions that I came away with there on Free Comic Book Day, which transitions nicely into our first com- or our first topic here tonight, Free Comic Book Day. Uh, This would be the 12th annual free comic book day. And I know what you're thinking, Dom. You're like, oh my god, Matt, how does he know this is the 12th annual? Nobody has said that. How does he know? I was actually
2: just going to look it up on how long it's been.
1: We don't need the internet here at the McSauce Comic Book Podcast as long as Matt's here. Unless it's something other than, you know, how
2: Star Wars or free comic (laughs) book day history.
1: Uh, Otherwise, we might need the internet. But... I remember Free Comic Book Day started on May, maybe I have the date wrong, I want to say it was May 2nd, 2002. Uh, That was the opening weekend for the original Sam Raimi version of Spider-Man, which I still consider to be the best. Um, And uh, on that day, they only gave out one comic book. You know, all the publishers didn't offer free comic books. It was only Marvel that basically started it. And uh, they gave away a copy of Ultimate Spider-Man number one. Hmm. And from there, it grew and grew every year after. Um, And uh, so here we are, 12 years later, 2014. And every publisher, even the ones you didn't even know existed, are giving away free comic books. Um, But uh, From what we
0: saw of the free comics, the publishers you don't know dominate the stands for free comic book day.
1: For the most part, yeah. I didn't see anything from Image. Like, what was Image's book? I can't remember. I didn't get it this year because it didn't interest me. But uh, actually, this is the year that I probably got the least amount Of stuff, and not necessarily because it wasn't interesting. Because you know, there's cool stuff, and every year I grab as much as my little heart desires, my my little depressed heart. (laughs) But usually, I I read. 3 out of the 15 that I grab. And it's like why?
2: Why? Yeah, I usually uh, for the past couple years I've been getting whatever the DC and Marvel book is Yeah. because that's usually issue 0 or the introduction to it's whatever to their, their summer event. Yeah. And this year they came out with DC came out with a Futures End which is an episode, an issue 0 of what would be their event for Futures End the Kicks off in a couple weeks. Um, I also grabbed uh, Marvel put out a Guardians of the Galaxy book, pushing for the Guardians of the Galaxy movie that's coming out in August. And there was a Rocket Raccoon tie-in. Mm-hmm. Um, the Guardians of the Galaxy is supposed to be. I'm not. It's a. Uh, I haven't read any of these yet, but I know that the Guardians of the Galaxy has a Venom tie-in,
1: mm. and there's
2: someone else in this book as well. Um Rocket Raccoon is just a I'm not sure if this is a one shot or if it's going to be the introduction to an ongoing couple short stories in there. You know, can we talk about Venom for a minute?
1: Holy shit. I hate his look. It's he, like they, it's like Punisher. Bro. It's like He's Punisher kind of a mercenary. It's ridiculous. Yes. He was such a scary-looking character back in the He Who Shall Not Be Named days. Um, mm. When he drew him, and and even his uh, successors, it was he was such a great looking character.
0: I feel like Venom that a character kind of like um, the Hulk for me that I don't think should have control of the out of control other I- I- identity. Like I don't think who is it Eddie Brock? Eddie Brock is it even Eddie, yes. Eddie Brock now?
2: No, right now I believe it is Flash, Flash Thompson.
0: Like, I always felt that no yeah. matter who the who the guy is, like you shouldn't have control of Venom. Like Venom is absolutely uncontrollable. Like you can't handle it. Yeah. And like that's that always appealed to me about the Hulk too with the, the dichotomy between Bruce Banner and then the Hulk because once you you can control it, then it takes a lot of that like internal struggle and personal drama out
1: for him. Yep. Me. I agree. And he's he's not exactly a scary character anymore.
2: He's just
0: he's
1: yeah. a
2: thug. Yeah. No, he's probably going to be like the like the vigilante. He's gonna yeah. be the anti hero. I liked when he was strictly a
1: Spider-Man character, you know, like he was driven by pure hatred for Spider-Man because you took a human being that had nothing but contempt for Spider Man and you mixed it with that symbiote that Peter Parker rejected and you put them together, and it's just, it created the perfect storm to have the perfect enemy for Spider-Man. And that has, that isn't the character at all anymore, and neither is the look. I, I can't even think of a, of a character in the Marvel Universe that is further away from what he was when he was created than Venom. I mean, maybe there's an, another example sure out, there there. Characters but, out there. I mean, come on. He's nothing like he was when he was created. The only similarity is black and white. He's black still. and
2: white and still <clears throat> loosely, maybe like the, the face, like the Venom face. Even if I think that's even changed, too.
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, he's got kind of glassy glasses looking thing. Glassy yeah. glasses? You know how glassy glasses are. Yeah, I,
0: um, the only books I picked up were. The Guardians. Well, there's two Guardians books essentially. There's Guardians of the Galaxy, and then there's the Rocket Raccoon. Yes. Spinoff. Um, I just picked up the Guardians of the Galaxy book just because it's it's you know Marvel, so I figured I'd, I'd check it out. I don't expect to like it. I don't like what they're doing with Guardians of the Galaxy now. I think the addition of Venom is stupid. Um, I don't think he's
2: actually going to be a member of the actual Guardians of the Galaxy. I think that was just kind of for this thing. Who wrote that? The Guardians book. Uh, does it, uh, not say a front
0: Ms. Marble part of Guardians now too. Uh,
2: not in continuity. Not in. I guess it'd be the six one six. Yeah. So I got those. I got uh,
0: DC's Futures End, which is the real one that I'm excited to, to. most excited to read because I am gonna get the Futures End weekly series. Uh, it's drawn by Ethan Van Skyver. Always a, always a fan of his stuff. And I picked up the most impressive book of Free Comic Book Day, Arkaya's Hardback. Arkaya Publisher. Um, Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, Arkaya is the publisher. They released um, a hardback, I guess the first maybe half to uh, quarter is. Uh, yeah, I guess it really is just the first quarter is a Mouse Guard story. And I've bought all the Mouse Guard stuff. It's such a well drawn book, it's such a cool little title about. Uh, it's kind of like... Mice. Lord of the Rings with mice. Not
1: oh, really. That mice possible? of the Rings. Yeah, it's very uh, medieval. Okay. Type, uh, okay I'd probably be into do that they type. do they speak in very minstrel-style wording? Um, they do not. Uh, there's no thou hath my axe or any of that. No? Um, but G- then, give us um, a little excerpt.
0: You want me to read something? Yeah, give, give us a good line. Instead of the axe passing... No,
1: no, no, f- do it more in a voice. <laughs> <clears throat>
0: What kind? Of, what voice do you want?
1: I don't. Uh, just, but, no. just uh, more of a. It's like, gonna have to wait. I see.
0: Uh, I see pizza guy coming. Little sub guy, I guess. And then, and then I'll read an excerpt Ooh. from from Mouse Guard card after the break.
1: Stay tuned for that, folks.
0: Welcome back to the exhaust Comic Book Podcast. After a brief uh, sub break, in which Dominic Yossi didn't eat subs. So no. I guess that's a... Are we going to knock off point for that?
2: Probably, mm-hmm. yeah. See, that's where Ian fills the role in the podcast. Party eater. Party eater. Party, not so, party drinker. Not so much, yeah. I'm drinking water and no dinner, so... That's... I'm not... That's not very good Now, do you find
1: the drinking water out of a square container makes it taste better?
2: I'm just a square individual.
1: You are kind of a yeah, square. Yeah, I'm very square. I'm very Now, this Fuji, this Fuji water, why does it come in a square bottle? Because, frankly...
2: Everyone I, needs to have their own image.
1: I suppose, but when I see it, it looks like... like uh, baby oil. It
2: bothers done. me that it doesn't fit in my car cup holder. Well,
1: then why do you get Fuji when there's so many other because water options? Because it's so much better.
2: Fuji's way much Is it better. really better? I think so. It's water. It's really good. And it's worth, like, the extra 50 cents. If, I'm, bu- but if I'm buying a bottle of water, I'm not getting Dasani.
1: And this is one liter of water.
2: Yes, and that'll be... I'm polishing off my second one.
1: Today. Right. That's two liters of water. That is a lot of water.
2: I filled that up actually twice today at work. You're supposed to
0: drink half your body weight in ounces but that's really? a day. Ridiculous. That's
1: um, that, I don't feel that's possible.
2: It is. You're supposed to drink your body weight in half ounces. Your body weight half ounces your body weight in ounces. ounces.
1: So why, why are you supposed to do that? Hydration. That's but, the proper
0: amount of hydration that your body needs to sustain itself throughout the day.
1: Now I don't I don't consume that much water, and somehow I'm still sustained because I'm still here podcasting.
0: It's not a mandatory thing. It's not like breathing.
1: So it's it's,
2: it's an optional thing. Preferred. Yes. Who
1: prefers it?
2: Nine out of ten doctors.
1: Ah, nine out nine of Nine out of ten doctors. So
0: before we left, we were talking about Arkea. Uh, Arkea free comic book day offer of. Uh, Mouse Guard, and ass- other assorted tales, which I'm probably not going to read. Cause...
2: Well, you're not a Labyrinth guy, so I know you're not going to read that little short story, which is, that's the one you're on now. Uh... Oh, it is
0: Labyrinth, like yes. Billy
2: uh, David yeah.
0: Bowie Labyrinth.
2: Yes. Not, not Billy Bowie. But it, 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 not, not Billy
0: Bowie. I was going to say Billy Idol. No. That's what I was
2: going.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to read the Labyrinth story. The other ones I... And there's also a
2: Farscape story know. in there, which yeah, I also probably read. probably
0: not going to read Farscape. Um, but the Mouse Guard story, I've been getting Mouse Guard since, the, what's his name, Jeff Peterson? David Peterson, uh, the creator, since he started uh, writing this book. It's an illustrated book as opposed to a drawn book, I think. I think it's probably more appropriate to say it's illustrated. It looks like more of a, okay. more of a kid's book, but it's really well done. The story's really well done. Um, and it's kind of like, it's very medieval, kind of Lord of the Ringsy with mice. So um, no, I suggest, if anyone gets a chance, go pick up Mouse Guard. I think you'll enjoy
2: it. Actually, I do want to read Mouse Guard now. Well, let
0: me know, and I'll let you take All the right. first
1: trade.
2: There was another
1: uh, another Mouse epic that was written around the same time that Mouse Guard was created called... Mice Templar? Mice Templar by Michael Avon Oming.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I never read that either, but... That one appealed to me a little bit more than Mouse Guard, because I'm, I'm more of a fan of his art style.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, have, you, have either of you ever read that one?
0: No.
1: This probably isn't the place to talk about it, then, is it? Uh, probably not.
0: Why, why would we talk about comic books on the comic book podcast? Well, there's
2: I, no segue I, into that. I
1: would hope that we talk about the ones that we at least think we know about, right? Correct. So, I think mean, we can all unabashedly say... We don't know about Mike's Templar. No, Paul. Yeah, I don't
0: know anything about.
2: Do they have a famous Mike's treasure Templar? like the Knights Templar? Do they have like just treasures of cheese? No, I
0: don't, I don't know. know. Treasures of cheese.
2: Cheese treasures.
0: <laughs> I'm a fan of cheese treasures. <laughs> Who isn't? So why don't um, why don't we move on to uh, some of the bigger news from last week? Okay, and. Why don't we slip into a long time ago with Matt Cassell?
2: Got
1: any Star Wars news? Give possibly? me the intro music.
2: There it is. I imagine I was just going to be edited in. So yeah.
1: Okay. No, I'm not going. I'm, I don't feel like it this week. But Paul, I know that you have a certain tune stuck in your head. How's it go? <laughs> Red eleven standing by, right? No, they do. Yes. Was there a red eleven, or is that too high?
2: Probably too high. We would be. We. Oh, you know what it was? It
1: was like red leader, gold leader, green leader. It was all the leaders, and then afterwards,
2: and they just went to rogue. So there was some Star Wars news,
0: finally. Feel like it was sort of anticlimactic. Uh, they announced a little bit. They announced the cast.
2: Yes, but they, they fi- everyone that you have speculated is officially in the cast.
0: Yeah, spot. there were there were a couple surprise names, um, but I mean the majority of the names were just they could have said those names could be anybody because well when I when I
1: texted you you were so nonchalant about it I was I was so aggravated. I could tell you were going out of your way to be a little bit snarky. Come yeah, on, pick me up
0: when they... I wasn't trying to be snarky. I think I was I was honestly aggravated with this news. Okay. Because Twitter blew up, and I'm like, holy shit, Star Wars news. It's about time. And then they're like, hey, all those characters that were rumored, yeah, they're official. I'm like I know this already. We
1: know this. Yeah, it really
2: solidified. We it. basically
1: knew about the big three, but you acted as if you knew. This John Boyega dude was in it. Oscar Isaac was in it. Daisy, whatever face. I'm like I've never. I don't know anything about this. I was. It was all new to me through various websites.
0: <clears throat> I had I'd seen the majority of those names before. Interesting. Um, Andy Circus was a surprise. Uh, Daisy. Ridley. Daisy David Ridley. Ridley. Total surprise. Max but, von Sydow was a surprise to me. Oscar Isaacs I'd seen. John Boyega I'd seen. Uh, Dalmo Gleason, I'd seen. And it was all rumors.
1: But I, Honestly, and, and I feel like I follow Star Wars pretty closely, like the news and everything. However, admittedly, I did get burnt out on... Well, so-and-so has auditioned. Okay, that's fantastic. So, like, I started to not really pay attention, except for the ones that started to get traction. And the big one to me that I had been hearing was Jesse Plemons of Breaking Bad fame. And I thought he was going to be cast, and I thought he was going to end up being um, Luke Skywalker's son. I'm a
0: little disappointed that Jesse Plemons wasn't announced. Mm-hmm. I don't know if maybe
1: he'll have some role still. they the rumor right now is currently they are not done uh announcing. I know the they final said that casting. there was
2: uh after the one picture that got released of everyone sitting around that like the, the little office, the room, uh they said that there's still one more big female lead. Right. That they do still want to cast.
1: And the strong rumor right now is uh Oh, my God, I can't even say her name. I don't know it. The black actress from uh, 12 Years a Slave that just won Best Supporting Actress. Okay, all
2: right. Mm, I don't know who she is. begins with
1: an N. Anyway, the rumor is she will play Asajj Ventress. Really?
2: That's the rumor. Um, I I don't... I, I could see her doing... I could see her in the role, but I honest... I don't see that because she was a character... That was Clone War era. Yeah. Clone War is 20 years before Episode 4. And then there's a span of five years from A New Hope to Jedi. I believe five years. Three and a half years. Yeah.
1: yeah. And then we're
2: talking 30 years beyond that. So we're talking 50-some years. And I... Assage Ventress seems very expanded universe, which is now no longer there. Actually... What is, it, what, what is that? Is that like a...
1: This? That I just a showed? fan? Yeah, it's a Photoshop rendering. So somebody has already taken it upon themselves to show us what she might look like. Lupita Nyong'o. That's her. Lupita Nu? What is it again? Nyong'o. Nyong'o. Yeah. Like as in Luongo, but... Neon, neon. Yeah,
0: kind of, sort
1: of. Maybe they shouldn't even change her name for Star Wars. It's so exotic.
2: It is. Um, Maybe just put a Darth in. Well, all
0: there.
1: The, yeah, right. Clone Wars wasn't expanded. You though.
0: Clone yeah,
2: Wars that's. Is yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, so that was.
1: Canon. Clone, yeah, Clone Wars is. That
2: weird, is canon. Which they have. They've,
1: filmed, they've yeah. finally kind of explained canon versus what is now being called legend. So all the expanded universe stuff that has come. Uh, In the past, aside from the Clone Wars, is now considered Star Wars legend. All canon are the six current films, the Clone Wars TV show, and from now on, anything that comes after. Novels, video games, the Star Wars Rebel show, and obviously the movies. That's all canon now, so it's all going to be one cohesive universe, which I think I like. However... Maybe this is a good opportunity to. to I, I know we barely touched on the casting of Star Wars, and maybe we can go back to it, but this leads us a little bit into uh, Star Wars Rebels. <clears throat> Yesterday was Star Wars Day, May the 4th, and they released the, sixth, the 62nd trailer for the show Rebels, which is now canon. It's officially canon. Did anybody see that? That I have been not. I've, hey,
2: I've been actually so far out of the loop with Rebels. Yeah, I don't know when it's coming. I don't know who's going to be showing it. I just know it's coming out, and I'll jump on board it's... then. But I'm not going to worry about figuring out what's going on with Rebels. What's going on with Episode Seven? Mm-hmm. There's just I've, once things get set in stone, then I'll jump on board. Mm-hmm. But I I can't deal with. Trying to figure out what's going on with what happened right before episode four, and then now what's going on in episode seven. It's too big, too much of time timeline for me to work with. Right. Um, what about you, Paul? The last, the last trailer
0: for that that came out, like whenever, whenever that like was a, a week where they kept releasing character um, bios, like character bios, yeah. and then they released like a little longer of a trailer
1: for it. Yeah, they were what about um, fifteen seconds? Yeah. The more I, the more I saw about
0: it, the less interested. I was, because, you know, like you said, that it really felt more like a kid's show than you were expecting. Uh-huh. And as soon as you said that, it, like, really hit, it really, like, kicked that into gear for me. Yeah. And it kind of turned me off of the entire thing.
1: Well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, they keep trying to, I think, generate excitement for it by saying, this gets Back to what made Star Wars great to begin with. This harkens back to the A New Hope era Star Wars. And frankly, everything that I've seen doesn't harken back to A New Hope. It, it just looks like a kid's show. The 60-second trailer did nothing to make me feel differently about that. The only like thing that I see visually that makes me feel like, oh yeah, that feels more like the the original movies, the way the TIE fighters blow up and the fact that there are TIE fighters yeah. there. You know, the explosions look very reminiscent of the way that they kind of...
2: Where you see, like, the two little solar panels on the side just kind of crumble off. Yeah,
1: or those big kind of, like, like compound explosions where you'd have the one and then another one, like, bigger than it. And I just... I don't see it. I mean, granted, we haven't... You know, they call it a full trailer. I'm sorry, 60 Seconds is not a full trailer. And I think that's kind of shitty that on Star Wars Day, the day we're all waiting for... To get some news or some whatever, some kind of cool information. All we really got was this sixty-second trailer that kind of sucked. I thought I, it did nothing to. I'm not sure really what excitement. else they can
2: keep adding to it without really giving away too much.
1: Well, see, I don't feel like they've given anything away. They told us okay. who, the, who the characters are, but like. I don't really, like, understand how, what the tone is exactly going to be. I mean, I'm getting a vibe based on some of the weirdness that, that's going on. You know, they're trying to offer the fans all this, like, kind of lip service by telling us how all the designs are inspired by Ralph McQuarrie, the original Star Wars concept artist who, you know, if you're that big of a, a geek, like I'm sure our friends on the Nerd Exchange are, you're gonna know who Ralph McQuarrie is, and that's gonna mean something to you, and that's cool. But like, I feel like they're taking his designs and then splashing them with a, a coat of Crayola crayons. And you know, one of the main characters, I think her name is Sabine, is is on the Rebel show, and she she's a neon colored Boba Fett girl. Like, it's like they're what? it's like they
0: went out of their way with that character
1: to specifically target. Skater culture. Yeah, okay. because they're like, she's really cool. She's, like, she's really into art. and, and Doesn't that, she, like, tag Imperial like, stronghold? Yeah, something like that. Like, she does
0: yeah, oh, graffiti. They
1: they they use her interest in art as one of her selling points to fans, as if that's going to, like, really get people's, you know, they're, they're, they're going to get amped about that. And putting her in
0: the Mandalorian armor, which I think they need to pull back. On. Yeah. That's why Boba Fett is That's, Boba Fett because yeah. he looks so fucking cool. And I know it works and we want to roll that out and make more cool stuff but
2: less is more. But right all way. you're doing is with you're just it's Fett, the same sure. idea with a different color scheme. If right. you come up with a new look, come up with a new helmet, make something else. Don't I just don't keep recycling. I
0: wouldn't mind seeing them just do some all out Crazy different shit at this point because I, I feel like they're they're trying to stay in universe and I get that everything is organically grown from something else and they kind of reverse engineered the like the ships and everything for the prequels mm-hmm. as to what they would look like in the originals. But it's we it's it's almost like they they corner themselves into one one template for things because even the ghost the ship from
1: rebels. It's the Millennium. It Falcon looks like a Millennium Falcon, a different Falcon. shape. Yeah, it looks like the rejected version,
2: right? I'll be very similar. It's now legend, but so the uh, Shadows the, the, of the Outrider. Empire, the Outrider. It yeah, it looks a little,
1: lot more like the Outrider than the Falcon, I think.
2: But like even still, the Outrider is a Millennium Falcon esque ship, but it has its own qualities. To yeah, it. you no. know how does
0: this um how does this tie into the casting news that we got last last week?
1: Well. Candy. It's a tangent, but it is, it's, you know, came the same week.
2: Well, this is, is a, this is a segment, so we can just go. I don't know. I might, I might be and filling in big shoes, the taking off. The, the I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Matt, I guess, um, you know,
2: we'll just don't. We'll have a just, just, just keep it going. I like the Star Wars talk. <laughs> but, uh, but no, well, you got to figure, okay, going back to casting news day.
1: Well, Matt's okay. going to
0: have you back. All the time. I know. What, because you like Star Wars talk. <laughs>
1: what can what can take us back there, some of the news today is that some of the characters from Rebels, they're saying, are going to be like in Episode 7. You know, you're going to see some tie-in. You know, one of the rumors right now is this Oscar Isaac might be the Kanan character from the Rebels show. I don't see how that works because it's 35 years later. Uh, at least. No, it's... 25? At the youngest? No, I think he's probably 20 at the young... Uh, no, you're probably right, about no, cause 25. That,
0: yeah, because I feel like that Sabine character is probably 19-ish. Yeah. And then there's the younger, younger character. Ezra?
1: Ezra...
0: Ezra, yeah, can't Andra, can't Ezra's yeah, the young
1: boy. I think... Kane is Kanan's probably like about 25. 25 or 30 or... Yeah, so ago. 30
0: years after 25. I mean, yeah, that can't be right. No, I... And that, that, that's going to be a serious undertaking, keeping everything... Keeping the rules for canon. Because, like, Star Wars likes to put out some shit. You know, they like yeah, to you market know, that
1: brand and, and do different things. And, and frankly, I don't really care for them telling me what's canon and what's not. I like determining that myself. Like you, Paul, episode 4, 5, and 6 are canon to you. To me, 1 through 6 are canon. In the Clone Wars, I don't really consider it canon. You know, I... I've enjoyed The Clone Wars. I didn't finish the series, but... No, I, I didn't
2: finish yet either, but got, I'm so glad it's on Netflix and, right now. Yeah,
1: me too. And I've gotten into episode, or season four, and it's it does nothing but get better. And um, it... As good as it is, I still feel like it's kind of a kid show, and the tone doesn't exactly jive with the movies,
2: which are the definitive, ultimate version of... Star Wars. I liked knowing that going on back in A New Hope, he talked about you 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 fought in the Clone Wars, you knew my father, like it's good going back and getting a visualization
1: uh-huh.
2: and watching the show and you can see it's all military strategy. They've got the stronghold there and you know, Jedi come in or the Jedis have this and get attacked. I like kind of seeing the visual but overall, am I really into the Clone Wars? Not really. Well, I'm, for I'm over Wars. As,
0: for as much as I don't like a lot of what they did in the prequels, the prequels will always be canon over any cartoons or books or comics or anything else. even if Lucasfilm comes out and says, this is Canon. Star Wars has always felt like a movie like a movie something to me. like it belongs in theaters, not necessarily on television.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Not only that, but this is George Lucas' story, right? I feel like if, if it's coming from Lucas, even if you don't like it, that's canon. All the other stuff that's created, probably episode 7 notwithstanding, are all from different creative minds that really aren't from the original vision, so to speak. So, I don't know. I mean, whatever you like, that's probably what should be your canon. But getting back to the casting, uh, I was very relieved and happy that, you know, that the original guys were announced. Uh, even though we knew, and we've right. known for a year, it was still cool. And what made it even cooler was that picture that they released. Yeah, the, the picture was kind of the reading cool. where everybody's sitting around. And I was very excited, you know, just to see Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher sitting one seat really just from just each other. It really
2: just makes it official. Like, you're yeah. like, okay, now we have on of
1: and Hon And if you really read into that photograph, Paul, you'll see that Harrison Ford is right next to J.J. J. Abrams. And so is Lawrence Kasdan, the other writer uh, of episode seven, who also wrote episode five and episode six um, Empire and Jedi. And, uh, if you read into that photograph, you'll start to and then right next to Harrison is uh, Daisy Ridley, who many are suspecting to be the main uh, protagonist of this new trilogy. Uh, they think that that's the daughter of Han and Leia, and by most accounts, Han Solo is gonna, if not be the main character of Episode Seven, a main character, maybe like a Qui Gon level character they may or may not bite it in in the end of this um and uh you know one of the rumors that i've heard is that luke might actually have a much smaller role in episode seven and might you know be relegated to a moisture farmer or something maybe that's what he went off and did after return of the jedi but doesn't get pulled back in until maybe han solo is killed or something like that or His niece is tempted by the dark side, or something along those lines. I think you would have
2: to come in as a mentor figure, because someone's gotta open up. Someone's gotta open the Jedi Academy. Luke is the only one who has training.
1: Is there gonna be an academy? There has to be. Why?
2: I figure, you know, I'm. I'm also still thinking extended universe, which Uh is which is always going to be in my mind, as legit. Because regardless of what Disney wants to say, regardless of what Lucasfilm wants to say, whenever those books were published at the moment, mm-hmm. they had to get the approval of Lucasfilm. That's true. And so not Lucasfilm only that- did say, you know what, go with that. And that was also when there were no plans for 7, 8, and 9. And now that there are, once again, they've, they've cornered themselves into... Well, we have to fit into this sort of storyline, which they really didn't because it's George Lucas and Lucasfilm and Star Wars. They can just do whatever they want. Well, that's what they're doing. I don't feel right. like they are cornering themselves. because so, they we, But they did that by dissolving the entire... Well, that
1: opens everything up now. Now they can do whatever they want.
2: Right. Uh, yeah, they can do whatever they want, but then what does all the extended universe really mean now?
1: Nothing. It becomes, quote, legend. It, you know, they're just, you know... <laughs>
2: I've read a for, lot of, for lack, Star Wars
1: lack of a better books. term, fictional stories within the Star it, Wars universe. It all becomes
2: fan fiction, pretty much. In a, yeah,
1: in a sense, it all just took I don't a step think that, back. And you know, if you're like totally beholden to what those titles mean canon versus legend—maybe that has an effect on you. But I feel like, like I was saying, if you can get beyond that and enjoy what you want, and just let whatever you want to be your Star Wars, then it shouldn't be an issue. Um, but I mean, there's no reason why Luke has to start the academy. Yoda told him to, to pass on what you've learned. Maybe he just passed it on to Princess Leia or something, and she taught her daughter or something
2: like that. I don't know. I mean, if you're gonna have a giant pro antagonist, almost possibly Empire size, uh-huh. you're gonna need to. I I I think he's gonna have some sort of mentor role. Yeah. He might not be he might not open the, an academy. Yeah. But he is going to be oh hey go to Luke. He he'll, he'll harness your skills. He'll teach you what you can do. Yeah, somebody compared it to it might be
1: cool if they do something like Luke essentially retires from military action, right? And um and they made the comparison that it's a lot They could do something similar to what they did in Unforgiven with Clint Eastwood, where, you know, he ends up having a family and everything, but he also has a past where he was totally a badass. What do you think, Paul? I didn't
0: see Unforgiven. Mm -hmm. I did
2: not see Unforgiven.
0: But being, take me into consideration what Mark Hamill looks like now. I think he would slide perfectly into the Obi-Wan mentor role for for the younger
1: kids. Yeah, and also, he, you know, he doesn't look like a guy that's been kicking ass for the last 35 years. He looks like a guy that's pretty much hung it up. Right? And right. he's going to be kind of forced out of retirement to deal with some kind of threat. But where he was he's, forced out of retirement to be in this new Star Wars movie. And, you know, he could <laughs> Honestly, you know, this really disappoints me because uh, shortly before we started the McSauce comic book podcast, I said to you, Paul... It was right after they announced that they were going to make Episode 7. I remember vividly I said, "I, Mark Hamill today or tomorrow is going to L.A. Fitness and he's going to start working out. And he's got a couple years to get himself in shape. And maybe he's lost 20 pounds since then, but he had a hell of a lot to lose since then. And he has a hell of a lot more to lose. He doesn't look good. And they're filming this right now. He's He can be... Hidden under robes, but I feel like his face is, still looks kind of overweight. You which know, can hopefully be hidden under a beard,
2: <laughs> which
1: which it will have to be.
2: And, and I realize all that. good but, Jedi masters have beards. Qui Gon, that's true. Obi Wan. Wonder
1: if will give him the long hair.
2: Uh, <laughs> but well, he never technically grew the Padawan ponytail. No, he didn't. So maybe he might get that back. Bring it but,
1: back. But but he had the beard in, in the the reading picture that they released last week. So you know, he Was like it a beard or was it the goatee? It looked like a beard. Okay. okay. So, uh, the other new characters we already mentioned, Daisy, what's her name? Da- Daisy Ridley. I believe that she's going to be the main character and sh- I think she's the only kind of uh, incredibly attractive member of the new cast. I feel like everybody else was probably cast based on their acting abilities before their Their incredible appearance. You know, she just has that, like, kind of sort of young, attractive look that maybe a young Mark Hamill at one point had, you know, like this kind of wide-eyed sort of no-name. But John Boyega is an interesting choice. I I suspect that he'll be a major player. I, I, I just have this feeling maybe he'll be one of Luke's.
2: I don't know. The only characters in this new added that I know of is Max von Sidow and Andy Circus. Those are the only two that Max I actually von know. Siddow, I don't watch enough TV to yeah. know who characters are.
1: So. Max von Sidow probably a villain, right? I would think so. Uh, and not only that, but he could be a character from Clone Wars era. Yeah, right? he could that be a Survivor. Clone Wars
2: era. He could, he could be Which is good an old member of the Rebel Alliance somewhere. I think...
1: It's important that they try to um you know connect the prequel trilogy to this because you know i I feel like that'll try to make everything feel like one cohesive saga, right. and um I think that would be cool. Um, is there any other casting that that interested you, Paul? I've been a fan of uh, Adam Driver since since the very
0: beginning. Mm-hmm. I like that um, aside from Daisy Ridley, no one is very attractive. Yeah, um, everyone looks, and that's what that's what I liked about Jesse Plemons. And I feel like uh, you don't have to be ugly to fit in in the Star Wars universe. But I know, I, I suppose there was a there was a lot of you know handsomeness in the young Harrison Ford, and but even with like. You know, Liam Neeson and and Ewan McGregor. There's more like a ruggedness mm-hmm. with them. Like mm-hmm. as much as I'd love to see Zac Efron in Star Wars, I think he's almost too handsome. Even when they try to dirty him up, yeah, that kid is just so fucking handsome. But <laughs> the, the cast <laughs> that they announced, like everyone looks like they can they can just live seamlessly in that universe. Yeah, so I overall I'm just. They didn't really tell us anything. Like, You're waiting to see who people too. are playing.
2: Yeah, Andy okay. Serkis tells me that there's going to be a complete full CGI what? character. <laughs> I,
0: hope I, hope it's, I hope it's Andy Serkis as Andy Serkis.
2: I'd be okay if Andy Serkis had played his CGI character and they also still gave him some sort of minor little bit part. Yeah, Because they did that with Ahmed Best when they did that with Jar Jar. So if Ahmed Best can get two screens and he played Jar Jar. I want Gollum. Have some FaceTime.
1: I think that we're gonna see leaked photos and try to surmise who's who before they actually announce shit about who you know who's gonna
2: play who. If it's anything like the prequels, you're gonna see leaked photos of just people against the green screen.
1: Yeah, you probably will. Whereas but-
2: all the leaked photos you saw for CAP. And Batman, you saw physical fighting on the courtroom steps in the winter. You saw True. pictures of Heinz Field being Gotham City. It's Star Wars, so you know it's got to be a very visual movie now since yeah, we have the technology. I, so everyone's
0: I don't be think J.J. Right? Abrams is going to treat this like George Lucas. I think I he's s- going to bring hope. He's going to bring the realism back.
2: I think he is because I think they're, they're the
0: building universe. sets. So then we will see shit. With them, you know, on sets and in an actual
1: location. Well, we've already seen some of the stuff that's, you know, some of the leaked photos from the desert, the whatever, I forget where they are Tunisia. right now.
2: No, they're not doing Tunisia. Dubai or something. Yeah, they're doing like Dubai.
1: And uh, you, you can see a walker foot out there, so. Oh, I didn't see the walker foot picture. Yeah, I saw like the. It's on its side, so I don't know if that's like just remnants of a damaged. Okay. ATAT, or if
2: it's, you know, so it's the okay. Res- it's a cool little visual that they threw in already. So, I, th-
1: I mean, it's very early, but you might see an ATAT on Tatooine. That's kind of cool. Just kind of opens up the idea of the possibilities of what you might get. But anyway, we got a lot of time to speculate. Uh, something that we can talk about that we know a lot more about because we all saw it this weekend the amazing Spider Man 2 opened up this past Friday night and uh kind of released to some tepid uh reviews uh both critically and fan wide um i feel like the opinion on this movie are, is is pretty split i want to say i feel like it's a a very polarizing movie Yeah. if you read it's, things it's online it's it's one or the other
2: i have not heard mid, i have not, i haven't really heard many middle of the road if yeah. any yeah yeah it's one or the other, and surprisingly it pulled in a strong box office. It did about ninety-two million. Yeah, I heard not 90, Yeah, ninety two. Which
1: is down for a Spider-Man movie. They since three they've you know, the Amazing Spider-Man one didn't make as much as three, didn't make nearly as much as three. And then this one made a little bit less than what the Amazing Spider-Man one did. So they gotta do something to kinda turn shit around and, and by making by many accounts, a mediocre movie. That's not the, the best way to do thing
2: it. Sony can do to save Spider-Man is give it back to Marvel. Because I, I, like I really liked. I liked Amazing Spider-Man. This movie was very underwhelming. Paul, do you agree with that? Yeah,
0: um, I think I. I forget what my Paulinomics was
1: for it, but five and
2: five it? Yeah. Was that going into polynomials, or was that right after we came out? I think it was. Was that yours or
1: mine? No, I was seven and seven. I think everybody was five and five except for me. I want to say maybe I'm wrong, but I know I was seven and seven.
2: What movie had the crazy eights around? Like, around
1: uh, Cap, right?
0: Must be must oh, be it's, Cap. okay. Cap had the crazy. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, this I liked. I liked about fifty percent of this movie. So I mean, it was really like, there was some stuff I absolutely loved. And there was stuff that I was embarrassed for when I was watching it happen. And yeah. uh, overall, you know, I've heard a couple people say, Oh, I loved it.
2: I loved it. I had a coworker who said he really liked the movie. And as soon as he walked into the movie, as soon as he walked into work today, I said, I'm sorry, but Spider-Man was horrible. Dominic, we know you loathed it. I loathed it com- the moment the movie was over. I don't know if you saw it, but I shook Matt's hand and said congratulations on winning $100. Because I, I truly believe that now. I was, I was over the movie maybe an hour in. Yeah, I don't think...
0: Uh, I don't think spider mans is going to have the post-release financial push that uh, no. I was initially expecting. Because it needs good reviews for that. You need hype no. for it. You need people... Telling other people, oh my God, you got to go see this movie. And I mean, if you talk to the three of us, we're all going to go. Well, me and Matt will go, eh. and Dom will go.
2: Go fuck yourself. Yes, I, I'm very. I, I did not like the movie. Uh, there were two characters in the movie. There was Spider-Man and there was Peter Parker. Spider-Man was kicking ass and being a like a zinger slinger. Just doing smart ass Spider Man stuff. And Peter Parker was crying. The entire <laughs> time. Every time he wasn't in the uniform, he was crying.
1: You would think that he would wear the mask to do that, you know, hide that shit.
2: You would think, no. Even Batman he's very doesn't cry about he's loss very, nearly as much as he's Peter
1: very Parker vulnerable could. when that mask comes off. There was only
0: there was only one part Involving Andrew Garfield that I did not like I loved him as Spider-Man I loved him as Peter Parker every time well, I guess there were two scenes that were awkward um, every time he was on screen I was for the most part happy mm-hmm. um, except in the very beginning and this goes back to um, what you said Matt like whenever we were talking about Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker in general that he's too cool uh-huh. and he shows up late for his high school graduation and as he's, like, kind of, his entrance to graduation, he's kind of, he, like, does, like, a spin and gets his his graduation cap or something, and he rolls into graduation. It's too cool for school. Very much so. Like, even, and I've, I'm okay with this. I base this Peter Parker on Ultimate Peter Parker. Which, which isn't is even a, like the l- Ultimate Peter which Parker. Which is a little different, but this scene was just so over the top. I was, like... This is not Peter Parker. This is the fucking cool kid in school that
2: yeah that that was asshole. not that was not a Peter Parker entrance. No, so
0: that and uh, the really forced laundry scene between Peter and Aunt May, which was I guess it was in there to break up some serious stuff and be kind of comedic, but it, that whole scene felt so strained. Like let's just let's just skip it. Like there's no no need there to be like oh shit. Aunt May's
2: going to wash his costume and see what's up. Uh, but at the same time, she was also covering up the fact that she secretly is going to nursing school. Yeah, and other... So I, I didn't see that whole scene as if Plano, comic relief at really all. It, it was, it's a really awkward scene, but I didn't see it as comedic. I just saw Peter's like, I've done my laundry since I was 12. And Aunt May was like, I've done your laundry since you were 6. And he's like, oh, I'm in college now. It, it looked... Matt,
1: would you like to weigh in of... on the awkward laundry scene? It was a comedic scene. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Told you. See? You're in stitches. So, yeah, it was a comedic scene. It was, um... I mean, he's talking about washing the American flag, and, you know... Oh, okay, okay so he's yeah, like, we don't, was it. What, Who washes the, a flag? Uh, so... I mean, it, it was a little awkward. I didn't really have a problem with it. Um, we had seen most of that in the trailer anyway, and frankly, we liked it when we saw it in the trailer. But maybe seeing it within the context of the movie, it just lost something in translation.
0: Yeah, other than that, I thought all the Peter and Mary Jane stuff was great. And what about really, the Gwen
1: Stacy stuff?
0: Yeah, the, oh, that too. Uh, the Mary Jane stuff was, all, was also great. Like Those two have such good chemistry together. It's a shame that they killed her in this movie.
2: What? <laughs> what? <laughs>
0: um, for as many times... You have as to I, say
2: spoiler alert before you say For that. as
0: many times as I see the scene where Anne May tells him they don't have a chimney, I, it cracks me up every time. Um, but yeah, like, I, I almost wish they would have kept her around, because those two had such good chemistry together. and Their relationship's up and down throughout the entire movie. Kind of annoying in a way. Um... I, I I didn't have a problem with it because when it wasn't that it was Electro, which was not which good. was the a whole different half story. of the movie that I did not like. I would have rather had and you and I Matt are like polar opposites with this because you like Electro better than Green Goblin. Yeah, and I feel the other way. I wish they would have had more Harry, well and less
1: less Max Dillon. I kind of agree with that, um, but there was barely any Green Goblin, and yet he still served an incredibly significant role in that movie. But yet he was only in it for like an eighth of the movie. So I don't know. It the 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 usage of the Green Goblin was Let's so see. off. They, they
0: well, one he looked like garbage, um, and they they wasted it. They waste if you're gonna kill Norman. And it's going to be Harry that kills Gwen Stacy. Then, why not get rid of all the electro stuff and use that front half of the movie to build up the relationship between Peter and Harry? Agreed. Because you get you get maybe ten minutes through the whole movie, if that. Agree. And uh, Harry comes back. They rush through everything.
2: Yeah. No- you don't
0: get a sense of that. Like these guys are best. Friends.
2: The only friendship you saw was when Harry was in the board meeting and Peter came to visit him, like, hey, I know you lost your dad, and they, you know, the real awkward moment of, they're on the steps, they're good friends, and they don't shake hands or anything, and they're just like, I know you lost your dad, I know what that's like, yada, yada, yada. And then, like, as Peter Parker's leaving, then Harry makes the comment, I don't remember what the comment was. You got your braces off. You got your braces off. About the braces, and then...
0: The yeah, sheet comes
2: down, and then you can see that they're friends, and they talk along the banks of the river. And the
0: chemistry and when they were together was
1: great. It was, it was those, yeah, it, it was good chemistry. See it, and mm-hmm. it, it totally makes it. I felt it was slightly homoerotic, actually.
2: That's I didn't and like, no, I I didn't see it like not more homoerotic than your typical tight group of male friends. Hmm.
1: I'm not sure that I, I, I honestly felt like it felt almost weirdly sexual.
2: No, I, I didn't. I didn't get that kind of vibe at all. When
1: they were at the at the river and they were skipping stones, and then they kind of like hugged and stuff. I no, I didn't get any of that. Okay. But no. See,
2: I, I, if 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 there was any of that, I really just rolled that over into Harry lost his dad and Peter's there consoling him because he lost no. his father hey, figure, hey, Uncle Ben. Okay. So I didn't. I didn't get anything beyond that.
0: The bottom line being that they. It was a missed opportunity. To build up their relationship together. Because at the end, you know, Harry knows he's Spider Man, Peter knows he's the goblin. So it's not like you can even go into the next movie and try to repair some of that and try to build some retroactively rebuild that relationship.
2: No, they had that they had that the moment there they lost their chance to do that the moment, the confrontation. They spent
0: just as much time developing Peter and Electro's relationship. As they did Harry, and Harry's the one that's supposed to have the emotional impact when right. Gwen dies, and it just it doesn't because it's they it's, there's no build-up.
2: No, and also the other major villain that was announced for the movie Rhino, who showed up all of the
0: last seven minutes of the movie. Let's be honest. Did you want to see that hideous performance again? Did you no. want more of that garbage?
2: Initially, when I heard that Paul Giamatti was going to be the Rhino, I was okay because he lobbied for the role. He says, I want this character. I like it. I was okay with Paul Giamatti, but then I saw the suit, and I was out. And then through the entire movie, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, we still have to deal with the Rhino introduction. We still have we still have another 45 minutes of movie left.
0: The Rhino is really just bookends for the movie. You know, yes. They open fighting him, then he's gone, and then they they wrap it up fighting
2: him. They they open with some guy stealing a truck. You don't know what he's going um, to be.
0: The research Paul Giamatti and Jamie Foxx did to get into these roles was go, alright, what did Arnold Schwarzenegger do for Batman and Robin? And they went back and they watched Batman Forever, the Batman and Robin, and then they were like, alright, this is how you do a villain in a comic book. Yes.
2: We'll have the rhino making the one-liners... And we'll have Electro being God ugly, God ugly, other, ugly in color. They were with that neon blue. That they were
0: both embarrassing for me. They really were. And the the Electro stuff, particularly when he was still Max Dillon before he got the powers. Um, they had he was like they treated him like Otis from Superman. Superman. They Force. had the. They had the goofy music behind him when he was on screen.
1: It was a silly version of his theme song, which ended up actually being fairly cool.
2: The Otis theme song?
1: No, the theme song. Well, regardless of what
0: it wound up being, you get the Otis vibe. Like, when he first shows up... Because he's a lot
1: like Otis. He's bumbling, and he's kind of... But you can do bumbling without him being,
0: like, the butt of the movie. When they first show you Jamie Foxx as Max Dillon... It's like watching the beginning of Superman 3. It's just, you know, silly music and pratfalls. And, like, he could have been, been really creepy. Because Jamie Foxx is a good actor. Yes. And, like, they really could have pushed the obsessive Spider Man thing. But then they throw the silly music behind him. And, and
2: it, lo- it diminishes the character, it, it diminishes, diminishes what any could kind
0: of fear that you may have for this guy. Like, whatever he's in, he's in the elevator with Gwen. You should be kind of nervous. Yeah, because you don't like you shouldn't know what he's gonna be capable of. Right. But the whole time he's has a fucking silly birthday card that he made for himself from Spider Man, and the bumbling music's happening, and it was just a a waste—a waste of an actor.
2: The music really killed it because I I could feel bad to the fact that he was pushed around. Like they liked his ideas, and they just you know we'll steal your idea and use it for us, and really we'll just bury you in the company. I liked that, but the fact when they put the bumbling music to it, it really made you get a whole different vibe of that character. Because so, th- if they wouldn't have put the bumbling music, I'd have been like, oh, you kind of feel bad for the guy. He gets pushed over, and he, he has the tragic accident and becomes this, you know what, now I want to get my revenge. But when you're bumbling around and kicking over blueprints and stuff like that, that, I can't, I can't get who's into
0: Who's the actor that plays his boss? who only has a, a couple lines.
2: SNL guy.
1: Isn't oh, an SNL guy? no, The Office. Um,
2: oh, it was uh, uh, BJ Novak. Yeah. B. J. I Niffy feel Office. like
1: like even he...
0: Um, even he lent to that idea that this isn't a serious character. Because if you have... If you get someone like the guy that played Harry on Dexter in that role is like a serious boss. Someone... Like, an imposing guy. Yeah. Then, coming down hard on Max, like, that helps. But you have BJ Novak, who's a comedian. And everyone right. knows him as a comedian. Like, he doesn't have that air of, like, I'm your boss, I will fucking fire the shit out of you. No,
2: he's, he, he's had, like, like he, he had, like, a smirk, he had a look on his face, too. Yeah, you well, can just tell so that he's...
0: So, Mac, you, a, you are... You did not hate Electro like this, so give us counterpoint.
1: Yeah, well, um... What I will say about B.J. Novak, he played a character similar to that, actually, on The Office. Granted, it's comedy, but, you know, this is Spider-Man. This isn't The Dark Knight, okay? So I think that you have to go in with a bit of it. I mean, they established the tone in the first movie. This was consistent with that tone, I think. I thought this one was lighter. Well, it it, it had
0: parts, because all the Gwen stuff is so... It was real good. I
2: liked all the Gwen stuff. But then
0: there's some other stuff that it's... Kind of silly. Yeah, I mean, but the there, first one seemed
1: to have more balance. There were there were some cringe worthy lines. You know, there there were some nineties esque uh, villain um, kind of like just just bad one liners. You know, like from Electra. like oh, let's go catch us a spider. And his voice was kind of ridiculous once he became Electro, especially once he became evil Electro. (laughs) When he was was Electro, but he wasn't evil yet, he hadn't named himself, and... uh,
2: Learning, like, in the the Times Square when he was learning his powers. Yeah,
1: which, out of the action sequences in the movie, best part in the movie, I think. That was a good
2: scene, because that, that was Jamie Foxx playing scared, nervous... He doesn't really still know what's going on with him. He's still learning his powers. That was good. That was one of my favorite Electros. Yeah. is I mean, the Times Square battle when he's still not sure what's going on. He kind of touches stuff and it, it zaps him. And you yeah. kind of see how, he, how Electro is as a character. Mm-hmm. I think that the
1: filmmakers felt like they had to have some kind of catalyst, though, to make him evil. To be that final nudge to kind of have him kind of go on this trajectory as a, as a bad guy, and that was whenever the uh, sniper shoots at him. Yeah. And it, after that, he was bad. Yeah. But up until then, he kind of just didn't know what was going on. He was still kind of the same weirdo, just had these insane powers. But, um, you know, yeah, you could have played him way creepier, but I think that that tone would have been a little inconsistent with what they had established so far in Spider-Man. And frankly, I don't know if I would have liked it. You know, I don't know if I would have felt that it fit. Maybe I'd have to see it to feel differently, but I was fairly okay. Because I was able to see Electro, or what's his name again? Max Dillon. Max Dillon, as this outcast of a a guy that is ridiculed, laughed at, uh, disrespected. All the things that... Like, I compared him to one of those crazy bastards in school that's picked on by the jocks, that is made fun of by the burnouts, and, you know, treated like garbage, and even the teachers don't take him seriously. What do they do? They go to school and they kill a bunch of kids. They, they snap. They get power, which is a gun, and then they finally just snap and they take it out on society. And I feel like that's kind of what this character was. He was that guy that was just pushed so far and treated so badly his whole life that he finally took everything out once he was given this power. So I bought it. I liked it. And I I agree
0: with that. I just think they could have toned it down and made it less cartoony. Like, he's walking in the middle of a crowd on the street, and everyone he passes puts a shoulder into him. That's doesn't
1: happen. No matter how invisible you are to society. It's funny though. You're saying, "Oh God, man, this comic happen. book movie should have been less cartoony." Well, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Now you know, there's a certain level of
0: you know, um, you know, a certain level of suspension of disbelief that
2: you, you they know, made the him invisible to society. And it was it was too a lot much. of people just blend. And I think in. they
0: could have they could have done what you're saying with the same setup. I think just taking that music away
2: would have gone a
0: lot further to helping it
2: out. Yeah. Because it was like like bumbling illness music from Superman. Yeah, the bumbling music is what makes you really... is what makes the character over the top. See, I... I'm fine... Hey,
1: look. I don't know if there is a hero with more over-the-top villains than Spider-Man. So, you know, trying to tell me that the villain was too over-the-top, I'm not going to buy that argument. It
0: was the way they treated him. Because they made made him too cartoony, which sounds ridiculous in this context, but... They did. And once he was Electro, I didn't really have a problem with
1: him. I had a problem with a couple of the one-liners, you know? And, you know, it it was cheesy, but I can accept a Spider-Man movie being cheesy. A guy made out of electricity being a little cheesy. Like, whenever he, basically, he's in prison and he names himself. He's like, Electro. My God, that voice was bad. That was, that might be worse than Christian Bale's Batman voice his Electro voice. It was actually quite similar. They're, they're that was bad. him
2: doing a gruff voice, and I think they even modulated yes, it. Yes, they did. Even they ma- did. made it even worse. If they yes. had just gone with Jamie Foxx talking and then modulated it, yeah. it would have been okay. But I he, think so, he too. Wondered, almost like he thought that my voice is going to be the Electro and his, voice. And his teeth
1: got fixed. I you saw, I saw. It the
2: teeth got fixed. He a huge
1: gap, in gap when he was Max Dillon, but when he was Electro. Beautiful set of... I uh, had... Blue Chompers. I had a problem with his with the way his powers
0: worked overall mm-hmm. because I don't know how um, if he's made it out of electricity. How's he forming teeth? And how's he forming that suit that he wears and that chip in his head? Like it's all like plastic.
1: Yeah, right the, in the, the chip. The chip. And the the doctor, doctor, doctor put the chip right. But even yeah, still, but
0: how's he? But then he when he turns vaporizes it, total electricity and then reforms himself. Like how was he? Is electricity able to reform like rubber?
2: Well, it's not. It, it's you got it, that. That's the grain of salt you have to take with a comic book movie because he's ties, He's tied up and strapped down to that machine, and you can see he's got the boxer briefs on, and then he evaporates, and then shows back up, and there he's wearing his boxer briefs again. Yeah. And then whenever Green Goblin gets him, and he gives him the the electro outfit, that disappears with him and shows back up. And then whenever he finally disappears and an electrode dies, I guess, in a way, all that's left is that little plastic receiver.
0: I feel like I feel like letting that go would have been okay at a certain time of comic book movies and comic books. But in this day and age, I feel like we're a more sophisticated audience. We're a smarter audience, audience now. And, like, that's just... I couldn't get over that.
2: The little slip-ups like that in the already... Not impressive movie. Made the bad far outweighed the Need him to be good. able to, you know,
0: transmute himself from place to place. Just don't put anything on him. Leave him naked. I'll get over the how does he make his own teeth from electric? I, I can I'm understand saying. that. Right, but, I'm yeah, okay just with that. Film it so that you don't see his fucking balls. Make make him naked. look
2: like a Ken doll. If he really is just living energy, give him the Ken doll look. Or film from the waist up, have a pan back shot of him standing there, and you could see maybe like one cheek. So you're like, okay, he's naked, <laughs> but without without really showing the the Jamie Foxx wang <laughs> thing. Yeah,
0: but that's a, that's a super nerdy minor gripe. was you know there there were other worse things in this movie than like how they create rubber out of electricity. My least
1: favorite was probably some of the one liners because. That really harkened back to the Batman and Robin-style villains, like the Schwarzenegger. I mean, I'm not comparing it exactly to what Schwarzenegger but did. But no, all, every,
2: all Schwarzenegger did was have one line. Right.
1: So. so whenever a one-liner came out of his mouth, I was just like, ah, oh, man. But with that said, if I really think about it, I bet you every single Spider-Man villain had at least one one-liner
2: since the first Spider-Man. Probably. But that's the job, because Spider-Man throws out the one-liners. Right, so, so should, be, should that even
1: bother me? I mean, it's, it's already been established and consistent throughout. I don't know. Um, yeah, but, but
0: Spider-Man's one-liners are, like, witty-in-context one-liners. They're not like Arnold Schwarzenegger one-liners.
2: I didn't like it, but it was a good finishing touch on the scene when Gwen is trying to leave Oscorp, and she's trying to get into the elevator. And Peter Parker creates a distraction with the cup of coffee and the mail cart. All of that—that that seemed like a Spider-Man kind of distraction. And then, as soon as as soon as Gwen gets in the elevator and the doors close, and you see Peter Parker walking away, and he jumps up and clicks his heels that little bit. Yeah, that's the that's the little bit that was over the top. I don't think we needed to see him <laughs> a little click his heels and like job well done like we know what you did you don't need to kind of blow with that little that little cockiness there I agree again though it's minor things but but through this entire movie it was all just those minor things that Mm. I feel that I can't like the movie
1: well I I I know that the movie is filled with things you can nitpick on but I think you could do that with a lot of movies um but some of the things that I really liked were pretty much any moment Spider-Man was on screen. He's phenomenal. He, the look was better than ever. Um, the costume just looked so good. And it looked real, too. It was the first time it looked like real clothes on a character. I don't remember very well the first one. The Amazing Spider-Man 1, because I only saw it once. And I hated the costume <laughs> in it. Although, when I went back and looked at it, it does kind of resemble the Steve Ditko version a little bit, whereas this one is a little more Mark Bagley, I want to say. But it it just looked incredibly perfect. I mean, maybe the eyes couldn't have been so shiny if I'm really going to nitpick, but... And
0: there was no egregious, oh, Spider-Man lost his mask so we can see Andrew
1: Garfield. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. That was a a very pleasant...
0: Yeah, like, uh, throughout all the big fight scenes, he had the mask on the I
2: was just, as Matt was talking, I was thinking, I was like, did we see... There weren't many scenes where he was demasked or his mask got so ripped you couldn't see anything. Mm -hmm. There wasn't really much in the way he was in costume that you saw Andrew Garfield.
1: He was even better as Spider-Man in this than he was as Spider-Man in the first one. I felt like... In the beginning, when uh, he's trying to stop the Rhino, what's his real name?
2: The I can I don't know what the Russian character, the Russian Andre
1: name Victor or something, Stevich or something.
2: Yeah, it was a strong Russian name.
1: Paul Giamatti's character, and and he knocks on the window. Spider Man and he indicates roll down the window. Meanwhile, he's driving everywhere, running people over. And yeah, it, you know, Spider Man would have just stopped him right there, so it doesn't hurt anybody. But again. You suspend your disbelief a little bit. You see, take I, it with a grain of salt, and you accept, like... Alexei Sitsavich. You accept... Very nice. ...the action uh, at the expense
2: of the humor. See, see the Spidey tapping on the window, like, hey, can you stop the... Video? I That's what I expected out of Spider-Man. Yeah. I was okay with that. Because when I'm thinking of spider that's what I expect, is just that little making the best of the situation that you're in.
0: Right. Yeah, I loved all, all, all the Spider-Man stuff. Um, he looked great. There were a couple a couple times where he was swinging and he swung into a certain position that was pulled right from the book.
2: Yeah. There was and, a lot of slow motion Matrix style yeah. swinging. Yeah. There were so many times you saw him diving off the building in slow motion. You see him grasping onto the web almost behind his hands with his feet art. there's so many times you saw just that image mm-hmm. so many times that that was starting to. Mm-hmm. that was almost as bad as like the solar flare shots that you got in Star Trek <laughs>
1: uh, yeah there were probably a little bit too much of that you know because they're slowing everything down so you can see how intricate everything is and, and the speed at which it's all happening because it has to slow it down for you to understand
2: what just happened right, and how quick he's doing things. right,
1: and okay, fine. I really liked it more the way they did it in the rainy one, though, especially in the first movie when uh, he has his fist fight with flash. you remember that? yes, well, I thought that was a bit more fun because well,
0: everything else slows down, but Peter's
2: in real
1: time, yeah, yeah,
2: the one that i the one slow motion that I really liked is whenever Gwen is falling, yeah, from the bell tower. Yeah. When he and he he zips out the the web shooter and you see the web like it's still on the straight trajectory, but it's going through everything cutting through. And you even see the hand of the webbing that was just neat. reach out yeah. for her, just trying to save Gwen. That was a really cool effect. You you know that Spidey put everything he had into that shot. And the web even adopted that. It's a little artsy move and absolutely
0: impossible, but that was a nice... But that
2: that was a really nice visual. And I think that Peter, obviously with the death of Gwen, but Peter did not save her. In the book, whenever she falls from the cable car, he saves her. Her neck snaps. Gwen dies. In this one, he saved her as she was hitting the ground. Her head hit the ground. Is that what it was? It was... It was, it was that close It was so hard head, to tell. It was so hard to tell. Yeah, that her neck snapped. But I would look at it, and I'm saying Peter didn't save her. She was. Because at least he saves her, and the snapback breaks her neck. He, he grabbed her, and as she stopped, her head came back and hit it. So and I didn't think.
0: And that's something they don't give you in, in slow motion. And they give you. You have so much slow motion throughout the entire movie with Peter swinging and some of the early fights and the big electro battle. A lot of it's in slow motion. But by the time he gets to the last fight with Green Goblin, there's no slow motion. They're in this one room of no. the bell tower and they're just going at each other. And it's not pretty because I mean Harry's just losing his mind and they're in this tight these tight quarters, Peter's trying to save Gwen, but there's no slow motion to it. Mm-hmm. And like I liked it because it was it was it was just ugly.
2: The only slow motion you saw was the moment you knew Gwen was falling.
0: Right. And know. then when Gwen hits you also don't get any slow motion. It no. happens so fast, it's and
2: that'd have been good to almost just, yeah. just really just throw her back, and you could see <laughs> what happened. But no, it just happened so quick, and we all and it saw. Was it. Brutal.
0: And like each of us will tell you like what part of her hits the ground first, and it'll be a different, it'll be yeah. a different part. Yeah. So you you don't know like audiences coming out that don't know the the snap sound effect from the comics and all that. Like who knows how why she died? Right. Could be anything. And I think they we're changed all gonna, it enough. We're all going to
1: slow down the DVD and be like, "Ah, oh, there
0: it is. Already. There it is. They changed it enough so that you know they maintain that mystery like the comic did.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Was, what, what else? Sorry about that. But the one the thing I noticed, the one comparison I said, Batman loses the love of his life and gives up for eight years. Spider-Man kills the love of his life and is off for maybe five months. Eight days. <laughs> Like seeing him at the funeral at the cemetery, (laughs) where the seasons are changing, you could tell. That's another that's that's a Peter and Gwen emotional story with just Peter. You know that he's mourning this. He's feeling bad. His posture doesn't change. The seasons change, and that was another very emotional, strong bond (laughs) there. Yeah,
0: that that reminded me of um, the Spider-Man Blue Trade and I don't know it's probably just in my head I don't know if that was intended by them or anything but just seeing him at the grave as the seasons are changing I thought I liked it Matt I thought you were going to say something before uh, I cut you off yeah
1: sorry I probably was but I I forget but I wanted to talk a little bit about that final fight with Harry and uh, Spider-Man with the Green Goblin and Spider-Man first of all when the Green Goblin first changed, right, from Harry to the Green Goblin, uh, number one, I I thought he looked terrible. I mean, really bad. Um, laughably bad. I haven't I seen how a, a character looked this bad since um, the Green Lantern villain. Um, Parallax. Parallax. The shit monster? No.
0: Oh, Hector Hammond. Yeah. Hector
1: Hammond. Yeah.
2: Or both of those. When
1: he was on screen, <laughs> <he'd be> either <laughs> <laughs> when Hector Hammond was on screen and he like would reel out, he's like, ah, I just laughed. He would, and it wasn't supposed to be funny. I felt the exact same feeling when I saw Dane DeHaan as the Green Goblin. He just, it, and it wasn't necessarily Dane DeHaan, who I have to say, really bad actor. He was terrible in this. So I thought he was great. Then you clearly were not paying attention. You had to pee too bad, I think, to be able to pay proper attention. Um,
0: as uh, Yeah, as the Green Goblin, no, but, like, everything leading up to that, Like, when and he's pleading with Electro to help him at the end, because he's just uh. spoiled, and he's just, like, he's at the... He's at his wit's end. Like, he knows he's dying. This is his last chance. And, like, he's starting to cry, and he just... He's, he's what, like, tw- 18 years old? But, like, 20. he acts that scene... Like he's like a ten-year-old, just <laughs> spoiled and going into a temper tantrum.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And like I thought, I thought Dane DeHaan did a really good job.
1: I, I suppose that was probably his best moment, but his regular like lines of delivery uh, and just regular speaking moments felt incredibly stilted. I think Jake Lloyd actually gave him acting lessons.
2: Oh. <laughs> Come on! So, now. <laughs> I had a hard time believing Harry was Harry Oz. Was Harry Osborn? I, he looked I,
1: nothing like uh, James Franco. And uh, that may be who
2: I'm basing my Harry Osborn well, off of—the of. the wavy red-haired gentleman from the comics. <laughs> the way I, it's, it's, it looks like he, a zigzag He <laughs> got,
1: Probably felt a little more authentic to the comic book version. than James p- Franco, the did. pleading when he like the
2: pleading of for his life and helping Electro and all of that was good acting. But I, it's hard time for me to. For me to um, picture that being Harry Osborn, unless out. they're
1: going to somehow resurrect Norman, which they probably will. I have to think putting such a big name actor like um,
0: Chris, Chris Cooper, Chris
1: Cooper, in there for for what like a one day shoot for nothing.
2: And it looked good when he was on his deathbed, and he had the purple and the green in his had eyes, the nails. It having. had potential. And then Harry gets injected, and then magically his nails just grow out. And I
0: had I had such hope because you see Norman there, and he's dying,
2: and his skin's turning green,
0: yeah. and his eyes are all like purple and mm-hmm. black and, and I'm like, that's I'm like that's you know green goblin colors. I mean right? yeah. we, this this could be cool. And then you just see like it. Somebody looks like. By the time Harry's the Green Goblin, it looks like someone pushed him down a dirty hill. He And looked- then he gets up at the end, and he's like, hey, I'm the Green Goblin. I'm filthy, and my hair's a mess.
2: He looks yeah. like Toad from the first X-Men. Yeah. He looks like Ray Park. His he has hair it.
1: color changed just like that. and Not only that, it looked like somebody just sprayed, like, Aquanet all over it. <laughs> it like, it just, it looked bad. And then the way he was acting, talking, like, if it was clenched teeth. And it was it was
0: really fucking bad. I feel like um, Harry and Max Dillon's turns into villains could have been played out a little more. I think we needed more from them because they both happened so fast.
1: Yeah, they, they kind of so like, did. They went
0: from zero to Spider-Man's why I'm like this in, like, 30 seconds. Max yeah.
1: Dillon's was a little bit better, I think, than Harry's. Harry's was just, like instantaneous. Well, you
2: saw the fear and he was like, okay, no one one shoot my friend. We're good. And then the shot happened and immediately he was just like, I'm, I'm bad. But Harry Osborn of green Goblin was just
1: well, he already hated Spider Man, and that was another bad acting moment after Spider Man left because he wouldn't give his blood, and uh, Harry's he all upset, wrecked his office, and cried, and, and he like threw himself on the couch. He's you're a <laughs> Spider Man, <laughs> and I was just like, oh god.
2: That's saying the eight year old can't have the toy at yeah. Hills. You're like, but, no. And but anyway,
1: down. getting getting back to the Green Goblin. Um, so I hated his transformation. I hated the look, the acting, and all that. But when he showed up when Electro was was defeated. Well, first of all, I, I was pretty okay with Electro for the most part. Until the end, you could just tell they wanted to wrap that shit up because you knew the Green Goblin was coming. You knew it. And it just felt like all this time and effort in, put, it, put into Electro was like, hey, okay, we're done with him. Let's move to the Green Goblin. And then they just kind of ended the whole you know, conflict with, with Electro to get to Green Goblin. So when he showed up, and, and the way Spider-Man reacted to him made it feel like a legitimate threat. You know what I mean? It was, it was the way the hero acted when the villain showed up. Not the villain himself that I was like, whoa, that guy is terrifying. It was more yeah. Peter's reaction.
0: That, that's similar to when um, Gwen first shows up at the power plant. Yeah. And... Peter sees that she's there and he has the full mask on and everything Yes, and I, Andrew Garfield did a hell of a job in that scene because yes. you feel his
2: panic yeah, he, yes. he's, yeah, he's like what the hell are you doing the entire, like, this is really yeah. dangerous yeah. the whole movie he saw you know, Captain Stacy the entire time and you're like okay you know it's <laughs> very sour seven.
0: ass Dennis Leary
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that look on his I think it was just a, a picture. I don't even think it was video of him. They just superimposed a picture. The shadow never changed. Yeah, in his face. No.
2: All the shadows would go left. The nose left. It was right. just a cardboard cutout that they inserted into scenes. Yeah, you, but I, I agree. You saw his panic, his pain, his fear... You and it was saw, all in the body language. Well, he had the full his, his language st- too, his language, right? Because yeah. he and was he's like, the full he's system. like, no, I am not kidding around. You need to get out yeah. of there. Yeah, that, that was awesome. Wrong. And was another awesome. with the power plant. How is it that Spider-Man's web shooters can hold the entire New York City power grid with just like five or six little tangles right there? Yeah. And then okay. once they electrify it, yeah.
1: The science in Spider-Man never makes sense. So don't try to understand it for this one thing.
2: Well, except for all the science that they did of testing the web shooters... And putting a charge on them so they don't blow up. And, and they put a lot of science into it. And no, maybe they the just fact, put it the in. fact that they have electrification already. Maybe. That they can hold but power. But I, I like that his web shooter blew
1: up in the first fight. I was like, that's really cool because, you know, you're taking some of his ability away yeah. and everything. And then he had to contend with that the next time that they fought. That was cool. But, um... Getting to your point that you made earlier, Paul, about you really liked the fight between the between the Green Goblin and Spider-Man. Um, I honestly don't even remember the, the fight. I, I don't. I, I remember it was more of a struggle, not a fight. And that's all I remember. And then he gets knocked out, and that was that. It didn't feel like this grand conflict no. at the end. That I feel like it should have been
2: like that I, was building up for disappointment.
1: Yeah, and you know, like this this whole movie should have been that played
0: out like friendship conflict between them. Yeah, yeah, and
1: and I sort of feel like ending it with him just crying with Gwen in his arms while emotional. I would have liked to have seen him have to put her body down mm-hmm. and now go deal with the Green Goblin before he does anything else. Right. Instead, he just got knocked unconscious and that was that.
2: Yeah, if they had played the friendship enemy throughout the entire movie, I would have accepted that short little fight. I would have accepted the knocked out. He's in the corner. I'm going to Gwen. I would have accepted that. But there really wasn't any of that. Uh, and they, threw ex- it, they wow. tried putting it pushing it near the end. And it seemed like a very worthless fight.
0: For what it was, I, I liked it, but ideally it should have been like it was just so rushed. Everything yeah. was so rushed yeah. to, to, get to to get to the
2: end. And like, the, the ending the ending fight with Rhino. If <clears throat> Spider Man 3 does not start out with that sewer grate hitting Rhino, what was the entire point of that last scene? I want Spider Man 3 to start right there. Sh-
0: it, it, it was to show you that. Alexei Sitzovich loves kids. <laughs> if Spider-Man would have webbed that kid to his chest, yeah, right, I would have I'd just given fight him. fight over. Yeah,
2: true.
0: Speaking of a scene where the kid, the uh, like nine-year-old in a Spider-Man costume stands not up, even stands up to the Rhino. That's probably
2: mean. a nine-year-old kid because no, he he, would, he six, made the wind turbine yeah. at school. Yeah, 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 up really yeah, yeah,
0: maybe. He, yeah, he's Spider-Man's gone for. He's a definitely while. elementary school doing his best, Bruce Wayne. And then this kid in a Spider-Man costume steps out in front of all the cop cars and the Rhino. And then Spider-Man shows up. And he has like a ten minute talk scene with the kid. You know, hey, Buster, thanks.
1: Hey, Jim. Jim. (laughs) Why don't you go over and be safe with your mom? I know this guy's shooting missiles and machine guns. But if you just step five feet over to your right, you should be fine. And
0: the whole time, Rhino's just standing there. They're standing there. And, I, um, Already and in my head they... when this scene's happening, I'm like,
1: shoot him now! Shoot Spider-Man
0: now! Do it! Do
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> well... If, if he would have shot Spider-Man right there, I would have given it probably I would have <laughs> given it inside <laughs> The Dark come. World. And, <laughs> they killed Peter Parker, didn't I see don't that. Know.
1: I don't know. Maybe Maybe the Rhino is a much more honorable villain than we give him credit for being.
2: Maybe. Walking, Maybe he wanted a fair fight, you know? Walking through the basement of Oscorp, and you see all... Uh, you see you see the Doc Arms. Yeah. You see the Vulture Wings yeah. walking through. You like you saw the initial Rhino, whatever that was, the first time they walked past. Rhino Armor. Yeah. So you put it... That looked horrible when it was just sitting there. Yeah. No. Like in, the, in the room. But you can really see that right there, that's where Sony's pushing... The Sinister Six, you can see all of that right there. At first glance, when they showed the goblin uniform, when the goblin outfit, (laughs) the panel on their left, you saw like the little teasers of the Auk arms. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, Easter egg. And then when they go through the basement again and you walk through and you see Vulture and then Doc Auk, I was just like, oh, I thought I I was. Glad that I saw an Easter egg. And, <laughs> no, they and it, it got strong screen screen time after
1: that. Uh, some of the things I'm glad about. I'm pretty sure we can put to bed the whole thing with Peter's parents because, frankly, I couldn't give less of a shit about that. Um,
2: I liked that they put the twist where he used his own blood, which is why he, which is why Peter. So really
1: convoluted.
2: It, it was. I mean, there, there's like, no need for... Can't you just get bit by a fucking radioactive spider
1: yes. and be done with it? Really. I agree. It goes,
0: yes. goes back to the whole, we don't need all the parents story Can't
1: they, exactly. they just it, have died? or exactly. exactly. they do Right. Do
0: they yeah. need to get murdered? Does, do they need to work at Oscorp? Does Peter need yeah. a spider cave? The, the,
1: the, Oscorp no, is, is, is the spider cradle cave. of everything Spider-Man. Him, his powers, his <sighs> villains his dad everything and I hate that I hate that everything comes back to this one business I, I think it's kind of it, I don't think it is it's incredibly contrived and I hate that um, and
0: it the, takes it takes away from the uniqueness of all of the years that his world was built up exactly Just like how all the DC characters all the designs look the same though. right right you have so much history through all these years it's such a Rich, vibrant universe with all this depth. But yeah. now everything's coming from right. one place.
1: And, you know, they, they established that in the first Amazing Spider-Man, which I was not much of a fan of. And they just carried that on and took it further in this one. But the good thing is, looks like the parent shit is finally done and put to bed. We don't have to worry about that anymore. We can just let, you know, uh, poor Aunt May uh, be his only parent going forward, and let that be that. Maybe they'll kill her in the next one, you know? God knows it would be a mercy killing.
2: Yeah, but Should've... somehow I'll we'll find a way to bring her back well, for this, the death of This anime Jane. Is, is
1: a little more vital. She is. She's she's like, much her more... current sp- comic
0: book anime is like a thousand years old. She is. She's she's dust with skin on her. She Yes. But this anime, you know, she's going out, she's getting a job, those scenes at the very end
1: where she's She's like, she's like a stick of gum from a pack of Close Encounters and yeah. the Third Kind cards. Where she's, where she's like cheering her fellow hospital workers, yeah, the power's back on. Yeah, her. I know. So, yeah. it's yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: like, this is awkward. That's yeah. Weird.
1: Yeah, couldn't they leave that cutaway out? Yeah. Because, you know, like, I mean, because the whole conflict's going on, nobody in the audience is like, I wonder how Aunt May's handling this right now. Yeah, like, you and know,
0: that, I don't know if
1: it was. I figure, I picture she's got a couple candles lit at home, and that's that. Right. Let's move on. I
0: don't know if it was like Mark, because in the very beginning, the opening of the movie, you see Peter's parents literally fighting for what's right. They're fighting to do the right thing, and you know, his dad gets in a fist fight with the killer on the plane, and you know, um, and I, I don't know if it was tying back to that, showing that like Peter's whole family. Are heroes in their own right, and even Aunt May during this crisis. You know, she's out there. She's out there helping people. Mm -hmm. But it was absolutely unnecessary. It's not necessary. No, I agree. And it was so unnecessary. It was awkward. It was embarrassing for me watching this. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) As much as I love Sally Field, too, I agree. I agree. I feel like the woman that played Aunt May in the original trilogy was was more Aunt May to me. She felt more like Aunt May. This Sally Field. She feels like Sally Field. I, li- I like
0: Ultimate Aunt May
1: because She is a little more like Ultimate Aunt May. Because she's Peter's mother's
0: sister. But in the comics, like, how many years are between she Peter's, like and She Grandmother's sister.
1: Yeah, she's like
0: yeah. Aunt Grandma May.
1: Well, maybe it is. You know how, like, your great aunt might still just be your aunt? Maybe it could be that. But they still, a great
2: aunt is your mother's aunt, which is Peter Parker's grandmother's right. sister. So that was... And, that like, was, it,
0: un, until Ultimate Spider-Man, that never crossed my mind. I was I was like, all right, that's Peter's aunt. She's, like, a bajillion years yeah, old. Right yeah, yeah, I get it. But then
1: in Ultimate Spider-Man, I was like,
0: oh, yeah, she shouldn't be a bajillion years no, old. No, Peter Parker's who's in her
1: grandparents 40s. had, uh, Peter Parker's mom was, like, one of those accident kids, you know, that happens 20 years <laughs> from Oscorp. From Oscorp, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is from Oscorp. And so, anyway, um... We're getting to that point where I think we want to think about wrapping this episode up. Peter's mother was an accident when
0: Peter's grandparents were, like, 90.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, so, Dom, you did not like this movie. No. In, and we here on the Mixos Comic Book Podcast, as you may know, we rate movies on a 10-point scale. We do. <laughs> What would you rate The, ama- the Amazing Spider-Man 1? What would you rate it?
2: It's been a while since I've seen it, but...
1: If you had to well, today.
2: A, uh, probably a 7, maybe. About a 7?
1: Paul, what would you give The Amazing Spider-Man 1? At least a 7.
0: I'm not comfortable. I, I haven't seen it uh, frequently. And I haven't seen it recently enough to go 8. Yeah. but So I'll just 7. Yeah, it's at least a 7.
1: Yeah. I remember you were pretty big on it right yeah. after you had seen it, which um,
0: is a lot of the reason I was so disappointed with this one. Yeah. Uh,
1: what,
0: would you, what did you give the Amazing Spider-Man one? The
1: Amazing Spider-Man one, I would say I I would give it a six because I I think it was better than just okay, which is a five, right, based mm-hmm. on our scale. <laughs> Uh, But not a whole lot better than that. And it was massively disappointing to me, especially to rehash the origin the way that they did. His costume was kind of awful. I'm not a big fan of the portrayal of uh, Peter Parker in his cool factor, which they amped up to 11 at certain parts in in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, But, you know, even seeing, like, He's a skater, dude. I, yeah, there I, were a Peter Parker's he a
0: skater, one, dude. It was like Han Solo as Peter Parker. Yeah,
1: he had the Thrasher t-shirt, the homemade Thrasher. The homemade Thrasher t-shirt. i like, like, I just never thought, man, Peter Parker is great, but you just made him a skater. I really think you'd have something there. Like, who the fuck thought that was a great idea? That's what the kids like. No, it's not what Spider Man it
0: That's why Sabine exists in Rebel. Exactly.
1: Spider Man is, is like, fundamentally not that. He gets that confidence when he puts the suit on, not when he's Peter Parker. Drives me crazy how bad they got it. But anyway. Spider amazing Spider Man too, Dom. Uh you gave me a score right after the movie. I gave you a. Th- I gave you a number. You had you right had some, after the movie. You wrote a number down. You slid it to me. I did. You've had some time to kind of think about that number.
2: I gave you a number. Changed? The the number has changed.
1: Ooh. The number you gave me. It can't be a negative. No. no. The number you gave me was a 5.
2: I did give you a 5 after talking to co-workers and some friends on Twitter. Yeah. Um, I'm giving it the old one-point swing. Ooh, and we are going Spider-Man to a... Swing. Oh, I'm giving it the old Spider-Man swing. I'm now giving it a four. Whoa!
1: It's below It average. went below.
2: It went down.
1: Now, what mm-hmm. was it about talking to these co-workers that made you adjust
2: your opinion? It did... I... Just the universally not accepted, or it's just getting bad reviews. So yeah. there's a lot of people who are having gripes with it. I watched it. The more I just kind of let it marinate and just let it simmer. Yeah, it's um, it's the the bad is far outweighing the good, uh-huh. and the little glimmers of hope really just give it a four. So you were, you I gave like seven
1: on one and a four on this one. So you think one was that much better?
2: It was. It was a quick turnover from 3 to 1, yeah. from Spider-Man 3 to Amazing Spider-Man 1. Yeah. Going in right after seeing Spider-Man 3 into Amazing Spider-Man 1 was a breath of fresh air. Okay, it's a different kind of smart Peter Parker. It's not science-based. It's just, I'm a smart kid. I He kind of knows what's going on, whether the fact that... He's a skater and is kind of at the same time playing the Joe Cool angle of just chilled and laid back at times. Wasn't a bad movie, but I yeah, I'm still going to give that a seven. And Amazing Two gets a four.
1: Interesting number, Paul. Do you have an equally interesting number?
2: I don't think so. Um,
0: I'm going to give it a six.
1: A six? Now I believe you gave me a number. Rapid reaction uh, that. Does not jive with your current number. I think I gave you a five. You did give me a five,
0: <clears throat> but the more I thought about it, I think it barely squeaks in to a six. Yeah, I think there's a there's a large gap for me between the six that number one that number two is getting and the seven that number one gets. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's just enough that I really liked about this movie to get it over the stuff that I didn't like. Mm-hmm. If it was right down the middle, I would have stuck with that five, but. I think I like just enough to get it into a six. Below six. Below let's six. Not, let's not give this movie any more
1: credit than it deserves. I would not give it more credit than it deserves. That's why I'm giving it a seven.
2: And um, that stayed the same number that you gave it on the rapid reaction.
1: Yeah, I feel better about it. Because I was thinking maybe a six. Because, you know, it's a flawed movie. It's not perfect. And it did have a few parts here and there that I was just like, ah, uh, but... Overall, man, when he was Spider-Man, that's why I went. You know, I didn't... As great as the Gwen Stacy, Peter Parker uh, angst was and everything, the reason I was in that theater on opening weekend was to see Spider-Man. And when I did, it was about as good, if not better, than I've ever seen in all five of the Spider-Man movies. And that, I think, right there is saying a hell of a lot. Um, I think that it is for the most part, being judged a bit unfairly. I think that it's being harshly criticized, and frankly, I think it's significantly better than Spider-Man 1, um, which was a rehash of an origin. I mean, it was told a little bit differently, but so soon and so unnecessary, and frankly, better done in Spider-Man 1 than it was in The Amazing Spider-Man. This one, all new stuff, all new treatment of Harry, even though I wasn't Incredibly wild about it. All new treatment of the Green Goblin, um, you know, bringing in another brand new villain we haven't seen. uh, Best Spider Man costume ever. You had the most, uh, probably outside of the death of Uncle Ben, you had the, this was like the most significant moment in Peter Parker's life and the death of Gwen Stacy and uh, having that was in there and done as well as it was, was phenomenal. Um, this one, to me, had the truest sense of um, emotion, I think, than all five of the Spider-Man films. Uh, you know, I know you said it had a lot of crying in it. When you say that, I think Spider-Man 3. That, to me, is the one that had all the crying in
2: it. Spider-Man was crying over... Anytime you mentioned his parents, he saw the briefcase in his closet. Yeah. He saw the picture of his parents. He's crying with Aunt May over the loss of Uncle Ben. He's crying because Gwen doesn't want to be with them. He's crying because Gwen wants to be with him, but wants to keep it distant. Every time he wasn't in the outfit, he was crying.
1: That's a lot of stuff to be upset about. Gwen's a nice girl. I, w- I would cry, too. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with crying. <clears throat> Uh, Frank, I don't remember that much crying, so I'll have to uh, to take note of it next time I see it, which I will, because I'm going to probably buy it when it comes out. Uh, much like I bought Spider-Man One, The Amazing Spider-Man One.
2: I could only hope if I were to buy Amazing Spider-Man Two, I get the exact same luck that I get when I bought Spider-Man Three. Mm-hmm. I bought it and I opened it up, and there was no disc inside. <laughs> oh. But I bought it only to finish off the collection. I knew I wasn't going to watch Spider-Man 3 anyway, but it was nice to have the full set of DVDs on the shelf. So if I were to buy Amazing Spider-Man 2, fingers crossed there's no disc inside.
1: <laughs> um, one last thing before we wrap it up. What did you guys think of the Spider-Man theme ringtone on Peter Parker's phone? That shouldn't exist in that universe.
2: Dom? It was a good callback, but does not agree, does not fit in that movie environment.
1: I would agree that it probably didn't fit, but I feel like it was digital sounding enough that it wasn't too, um, in your face. Oh, like, if f- it had
2: been... Toby Maguire Spider-Man, there's the guy playing Spider-Man in the subway, so true, you gotta throw this theme in there somewhere. True. Why not make it a ringtone?
1: I agree. Uh, it, it didn't really bother me. No, I I, it me didn't far. bother
2: me, but I'm just like, you know what? I've heard if that it- as
1: a major complaint,
2: so... Hmm. No, that wouldn't that's not a major complaint.
1: Any final remarks
0: for this episode, Don?
2: Uh, final remarks. Ian, I'm sorry, but from now on I think you're gonna be the special guest on the show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, if you mix if you mix your incredible contribution tonight with uh, I think it's pretty obvious who's gonna win the Godzilla bet now. Um, clearly Sharpley doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> Oh, and by the way, Ian, you bought me a Castle Skull statue this weekend. Uh, I decided to spend my winnings a little early, so thank you very much for that. I'll show it to you what you bought me.
2: You can get it on alternating weekends.
1: No, you can't, but <laughs> uh, but I'll send you a picture. So that's going to do it for
0: episode 56. Dom, thanks for uh, filling in this week. You have big shoes to fill. And I you did. You did an admirable, admirable job. Sometimes they don't come out like they're supposed to.
1: No, they don't. My name is Paul McGinty. And I'm Matt Casau, second tonight.
2: And Dominic
1: Houston. Thanks for listening.